0: Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. We're back after our Easter break and, as usual, each week uh, the three of us will be gathering around the Desk of Insight to discuss three of the six topics covered in more detail for our subscribers in our online perspectives. Uh, This week's topics for discussion are Marriott and Expedia, what's going on with ground rents as they make their way into the hotel sector, and a roundup of happenings in the Middle East. Uh, gathered around the table is Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, Catherine Dogrell, who writes The Perspectives, and me, Chris Bowne, who produces The Daily News and is the web editor. Um, first off then, we're going to talk about Marriott, who finally settled uh, their agreement with Expedia. They've renewed the contract between Hotelia and uh, Online Travel Agent. Uh, this was a much expected deal. Uh, there's been whispers about the commission level. it's finally been settled at but more importantly there have been some changes in the relationship going forward and Catherine do you want to give us a a flavour for what those details might be?
1: Um, yes, well, the flavour is thrillingly bland um, so far. The detail coming forward was nothing at all. Um, CNBC briefly said um, that the commission level had fallen from 12% to 10%, but anyone who blinked uh, will have missed it, and it immediately vanished from their website. So taking that to be possibly, possibly true, um, not the huge drop we were hoping for. I think everyone in the hotel sector was planning on there being a massive beating and the head of Mark Ockerstrung being put on a spike and um, and pranced around the Bethesda headquarters of Marriott, but that doesn't seem to have been the case. They seem to be working together in a sober and, and organised manner which, as you can imagine, is extraordinarily disappointing for me, uh, let alone anyone else observing. Um, so it's what they're having is, is a more nuanced relationship going forward, we understand. Um, they've been talking about a new transient booking model we can look forward to in, in the fourth quarter, so there's something to keep us all awake at night with excitement. Oh, the, the idea of being, I think that, that the Expedia and Marriott can work together to sell the things that Marriott actually wants to be sold, which is distressed rooms, a light bit of leisure, uh, things it can't sell itself. Um, And this seems to be working out very well for for Expedia, they seem happy enough with that. Um, And certainly they've been speaking a lot about how they can all work together. but I think certainly for Marriott and, and Expedia there's been a kind of a lack of, of wiggle room I think in these um, talks have be going on for longer than I think most of us can remember. Um, I think this is one of those scenarios where there was never going to be very much wiggle room between the two because Marriott did do that big deal with Starwood and they are a huge, huge organisation now and Expedia is now looking to pick off the smaller companies, the companies where it can take on the loyalty discounts, the companies where it can do all those things that it says it can, it can provide additional technology and data and things, things that Marriott has that it doesn't necessarily need from Expedia but the the thing is for the other hotel companies out there is that they still, they're not really big and so they are still going to have to be friends with Expedia to I think probably a more 10% level. The
2: big question that came to my mind was whether this is indeed a turning point in that fractious relationship between OTAs and hoteliers. and My conclusion was definitely maybe. I think if there is a turning point, it is that there's recognition by hoteliers that they are primarily in the game of product branding. Um, they're not out of retailing, um, but they can strike equitable arrangements with focused retailers like OTAs. And this recognition that OTAs are going to do retailing, at least a certain customer segments, much better than uh, hoteliers ever will. And those the most obvious customer segment there is the transient, the irregular transient traveller, very hard and expensive to reach, and the OTAs do a much better job of reaching them. I think. Th- the 10% commission level is pretty low I, I I was surprised when CNBC reported that it was already as low as 12% and then when they got it down to 10% I thought Ooh, wow that is pretty impressive because the rumours were that booking struck a deal of 8% with Marriott in North America um, And that was because Expedia has a 75% share of the overall OTA market in North America. And booking coming in is very much the laggard in that marketplace. Had to offer a big incentive to get the biggest hotelier in that marketplace on board. I think there's a whole sea of things that we don't know uh, following this deal. Um, I don't know whether you know this or not. Catherine, but I couldn't spot it. I mean, are um, people now going to, if you're a customer and you book through um, Expedia, will you now get your Marriott reward points? Do, do we know that?
1: Um, is, is that clear from this? No, last I'd heard Marriott were, they're free to correct me on this, um, they were the last people to have whipped that from the um, from their agreement.
2: That Whipped it away, but is it back in now? That's the question. Um, so, uh, you know, w- what has a, a Marriott agreed to sort of hand over to get this uh, commission level? How much control does Marriott now have to turn on and turn off Expedia? Because the classic piece is you want Expedia when it's tough to sell the rooms. You don't want them when you're filling up your your hotels and, and there are your own channels you can fill up your your. Uh, hotels with um so you know how, how much control does does Merrick get on that there's all of these things w- w- which you will learn no doubt over the the coming months but they're a big question to how who's actually one if you like um if you want to make it such a confrontational uh uh discussion point uh, around this um but I, Overall, I think it it has, as you made the point, I I think they they are actually growing up a little bit in terms of the relationship and working out they've got to partner for them both to succeed. They both need each other and they both need to work together. And um, um, suppliers like Marriott now can actually get their way by scaling up, which Marriott has clearly done with the Starwood acquisition, um, working heavily on their brands, making their brands a must stock. And if you're looking to stay in the upper upscale, not that anybody wakes up and wants to stay in an upper upscale hotel, but those are sort of high-end business class hotels which are, are, are one of the key uh, earners for Marriott um, and other hoteliers but but that, that's a marketplace which is uh, very consolidated and if Expedia wants to offer rooms, uh, wants to offer its customers rooms in, in at that level it's got to do a deal with the likes of Marriott and Hilton et al and IHG to get in there to offer those rooms across North America. Um, so Expedia needs Marriott, Marriott needs Expedia to shift those rooms in in the low demand periods and and so that because Expedia is very good at reaching those customers, hoteliers struggle to reach. So I I think this possibly is a win-win and I I would suggest that 10% is a a very decent uh, margin indeed from a hotelier perspective.
0: Well, from one uh, topic where the protagonists are coy about revealing the details to another, let's talk about ground rents. Um, To the uninitiated, this seems to be a situation of financial engineering where 2 plus 2 equals five. But uh, maybe Catherine can explain in a little more detail and uh, certainly reference what's been going on in terms of recent deals. Uh,
1: Yes, so everyone remembers the uh, Grange Hotel deal, largely because um, I think most of us have been born since it's been going on. Um, Just my word. it's become an essential part of our lives and is the deal that keeps on giving Um, you thought it was over, it wasn't until very recently when it was revealed that Queensgate had done a deal on the ground rent on three of the sites with our For Real Capital who was looking for some of those nice, quiet, constant returns which people tend to like in ground rents all very calming and reassuring Um, and, uh, and they're not the first, ground rents and ground leases and all this kind of shenanigans have been coming back in quite a large way as the institutions have been looking closer and closer to the hotel sector. But whereas there used to be something that happened over the course of about 200 years and caused no one any trouble at all, now they're getting shorter and shorter. Somebody I spoke to said that they were working on a deal which was 35 years, which, uh, not really ground lengths anymore. Um, it's a little bit borrowing money and this is a little bit troubling when you look at at how these kind of things tend to shake out. Um, what are you going to do with the property when you're trying to sell it, when you've got somebody saying well, 17 years you have to pay and so on and so forth. Um, there's also the issue of increasing rent, as these institutions maybe think that they might like to get a bit more money out of you. And of course um, these deals when things go wrong, or indeed right, um, the lenders as they are in this case, um, are then, uh, lenders, landowners, <coughs> landlords, uh, the lenders are then top of the stack to get their money out. So there's a lot to be considered here. I spoke to a couple of brokers about this um, who didn't want to be quoted, largely because the screaming was so intense. It was like those bats where you can only hear them where they're very close up and they flutter in your hair. <laughs> so um, it's uh, they're getting more and more, um, changing a little, becoming a little bit more high profile, and nobody seems too happy about where this is heading.
2: C- CDOs... Um blew up collateralized debt obligations um, were a debt instrument that blew up the banking system in 2008. Um, Ground rents are a debt instrument. Now I'm not in any way suggesting they're going to blow up the banking system in anything like the way that occurred in 2008. There's serious risk of problems if the banks, the senior debt lenders, get this wrong and as Catherine's pointed out there are one or two uh, indicators that uh, things are being stretched a little bit and if you look at it as as a debt instrument it can make sense Um, for there to be an increase in value by structuring debt in a in a sensible way because there are there are lenders out there who need long-term secure income and ground rents can do just that job and they can there can be a little slice of the debt which is a, a superbly low interest level and so you're cheapening the debt and therefore the overall valuation can go up thanks to the debt being cheapened. However when you look at some of the value uplifts which are being alleged um, to be possible as a result of ground rents it just strains credulity so they're talking 40 percent plus i mean it's just bonkers you can't get that sort of uplift i would contend Um, and I, i think if you take a step back and look at it from a bigger picture perspective it just doesn't make sense um a few percent yeah i i completely buy that and i think it's just you know where finance can be sensible and do sensible things for for the good of all um but equally if we start getting into that 40 percent plus area it's where finance is going bonkers and it's going to be to the detriment of us all as things were back in 2008 with cdo's and their ilk um th- this is my worry about this now I, I don't think the market is anywhere near the size or scale of the cdo but I think it could do significant damage to real estate um, across the piece, and real estate is very much the apple of most investors' eyes right now. Um, and I, I think there's potentially um, there's it's cause for concern here. I just I, most of the senior uh, debt lenders I talk to, they are very acutely aware of this, they, they talk about that but as we all know what happens is we get pressure and pressure and they get pressure to lend money out and they get pressure to put money out into structures which um, they wouldn't have done a year earlier um, and certainly would have laughed at two years earlier um, and you know are we going to be heading down that track well it remains to be seen the only glimmer of hope I have is that we are probably too far in too late cycle at this point for it to get too, too, you know too big and too meaningful and I think this is probably going to be a bit of a last hurrah in the next year or so until the the recessionary chickens come home to roost.
0: And just just so you know, it's not just us worried about that. I have pulled out a quote uh, from my notebook from a uh, conference. This is actually a quote from uh, someone who didn't want to talk to us on the record, an advisor who stood up on stage and said that he was certainly concerned about ground rents and said out loud, some of the structures you've seen him put in place will unravel in the next two or three years. So let's hope they don't for all our sakes. Right now on to our third topic which is looking at the market in the Middle East. Um, We've got uh, Catherine's been casting her eye over various recent goings on and Andrew still has a dripping umbrella in the corner of the office here um, from a recent visit to uh, this supposedly sunny part of the world.
1: I mean, climate change is a real thing, um, as anyone who's tried to get through central London will tell you, um, <coughs> um, and Andrew can tell you more. But yes, the Middle East, um, people going to AHIC, which of course is in the Middle East, um, have decided that they should be expanding more in the Middle East. Um, so expanding in the Middle East they are, um, but not um, quite at the kind of luxury level that uh, they used to be so very popular. Uh, it's more about the mid market these days. So um expect to see lots of canopies by Hilton's and i'm not quite sure where the canopy is where canopy sits um mid-market-ish um and uh garden inns hampton by hilton's various of the marriott will all fine quality fun um and accol's also been getting out with some of its uh, its newer exciting brands so mama shelter 25 hours all heading off to the middle east next year um middle east of course is one of those exciting places with lots and lots of promise and plenty of people rushing in and so the initial performance is maybe not what it could be and there'll be some screaming into the pillows but um, everyone's clinging to the idea that uh, that once we've all ran out of oil we'll have plenty of hotel rooms to go around in a very expensive fashion uh, long-term hope short-term horror lots of rain from andrew
0: well yes indeed hot, the hot stats figures month on month on the performance of hotels in the middle east have being
1: running it's, down yes it's a, uh, a constant monthly monthly suffering months. so try not to look rev par
0: drops yes. are familiar yes yes
2: uh, the, the the atmosphere at the arabian hotel investment conference was damp in both senses of the word there, there was a flash flood um, in fact just after the conference um, i'd stayed on for a sunny weekend i thought and, and oops no, it didn't work out that well um, but uh, i i think The Dubai oversupply story has been written many times. I've written it myself, and you you, you look at the numbers, you think, there's no way, there's no way they can climb out of that. There's far too many rooms about to open. It's impossible, and it's always been proved wrong historically. Uh, Maybe, maybe this time, I think it's going to be a lot stickier for them. Uh, Probably Dubai will come out okay, but I I do wonder, uh, certainly Qatar, where they're building like bilio for the World Cup, I think that's going to be very problematic problematic indeed um, and Abu Dhabi um, as well I think that it's hard to see quite the you know where the oversupply um, it, it, you know the where, the where they can actually get over that um, where they can actually drag in enough visitors to to absorb all that oversupply even with the, the fantastic sort of tourist attractions they're putting in and the Louvre in Abu Dhabi I have to say is a fabulous edifice it's incredible and the concept content of it that they've put in it's not just the second-rate stuff they've shipped from Paris is some really first-rate exhibitions and uh, the Rembrandt is is, is supposedly I hear um, truly a fabulous show they've got going on there so there are things to go out there for um, other than flash floods Um, but I I don't think it's going to be enough um, to to soften um, the impact of this this supply uh overhang um i, I the, the more interesting bit i think is that the the bigger markets in like saudi arabia though it's more populous markets I, I think saudi it's going gangbusters at the moment in saudi everybody was a buzz with the potential in saudi arabia and certainly there's a sister conference to a in saudi and that that's the big the big one at the moment everybody's rushing around at that and doing deals left right and center and um, there's all sorts of fantastic things they're opening up obviously with saudi the reforming prince um mbs actually doing his bit on you know so such newfangled 21st century things as allowing women to drive and opening cinemas and this kind of stuff so he's going to look quite a lot different i think and it's interesting you look at some of the the projects they've got on the books such as in the red sea the development there fantastic eco resort concepts coming out there there seems genuine commitment to to deliver access to uh, um, areas of nature and, and without sort of truly this and wilderness without truly despoiling that wilderness and nature so it's it's going to be great to see how this all pans out in the in the long run um and of course the question is is whether that they're, they're going to be able to deliver all this before the in, before the well the money from oil runs out it's not the oil is ever going to run out it's just going to get to the point where we no longer need to, to pump the stuff out of the ground as emma thompson will no doubt shout to you from her pink boat in trafalgar square where was it parked trafalgar square i can't uh, yeah, I, I, I saw it in oxford oh, Ox 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 Circus. i don't
1: know if they've they've moved it since
2: then oxford circus that's right i think yeah they're they're Mm. all over london isn't it so whatever she's shouting from the from her pink boat about um environmental change is is appropriate in terms of there's going to be clearly be a shift away from oil and the value of oil is going to eventually just pretty much disappear so there has to be something else um that these countries need to deliver and tourism is probably their best
0: (laughs) (laughs) and on that note (laughs) Thank you for listening this week and we'll be back with you you next week with some more entertainment and timely information on the hotel industry. Bye for now.